Hey, I'm Mary Grothy, CEO of SalesBQ. Welcome to this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Remember, you can watch this via video. I mean, right now, if you're actually watching this via video, you're shaking your head going, no kidding, Mary. But for those of you that pick this up on audio, just a reminder that you can see the live action on our YouTube channel. So we would love to have you there. But today I have a very special guest. Let me tell you a little story. Back in the day when I was a young pup out there cutting my teeth in the sales world, I went to a sales networking event and I met this very tall man named Carl. And I was a fan from the minute that I met him. And I remember how kind and welcoming that he was in the conversation. I was at a networking group and he helped introduce me to multiple people. But he has been a friend and a friend of SalesBQ and a friend of mine for a very long time. So when we launched this podcast, I said, who should be on? And somebody from our community said, Mary, you need to have Carl on there. And then I felt horrible. Like, why didn't I think of this myself? Carl's another sales guru. We have to have him. So welcome, Carl, to the show. Thank you very much. I'm so glad we re reconnected. So can you tell the audience your story, a little bit about you? So, I mean, we've got to back up the yeah. fact I just called you a guru. So make your yeah. story super good. All good. So uh, over the last probably 25 years, I've always been at entrepreneur and also somebody that really believes in unlocking the power of teams. And so um, what that really means is I've had to go out and sell my ideas to either raise money or to get someone to come work for me or to close a new piece of business. So I've always been in the business of marketing, business development and sales. Lived in the lead generation business for over 10 years and before that ran a digital marketing agency where we did a lot of demand generation, built websites. and so. All of these things have kind of just brought me here today where I now live in the world of uh, my company called Improving Sales Performance and it's about understanding how to build and optimize sales organizations and making sure marketing and sales are meeting and that there's a bridge between the marketing funnel and the sales funnel. And Why? People, uh, Why would sales and marketing want to work together? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that, you know, to answer that question right out of the gate is uh, if you really want to optimize your sales and come to a place of predictable revenue and knowing that when you're spending money it's uh, actually generating a positive return sales and marketing totally need to work together and it's been more so more so every day with more of the digital marketing funnel and so uh, there's a big opportunity to raise your game if you understand and can facilitate marketing and sales working together and that's where i live every day I couldn't agree more. Those two functions should not be separated. All right, so uh, Carl sends me an email. What should we use as our topic today? I said, whatever you want. And yeah. he decides to pick a fight. Totally. I said, okay, this will be a really great topic. So here totally. we are picking a fight. You've heard the question asked before. I think some really respected people in our industry have weighed in on this, but I've never heard your opinion. And I'm not quite sure if you've ever heard my opinion on this topic, but go. let's share. Are salespeople born or are they made? So exactly. please, dear Carl, enlighten us and I will be sure to give you my two cents. Sure. So um, having done sales all my life, uh, it probably wasn't an accident, but my oldest son was definitely a born salesman, like to the point where it was last winter and there's mounds of snow on our back deck and I'm working and I've got all this work to do and he comes in and he goes, Dad, will you play with me in the backyard? Play with me and build a fort. And I was like, Sam, I'm way too busy. And he looks at me and he's like, Dad, did your, did your father play with you when you were a kid when it oh snowed? God. And I was like, no. Do you wish he did? Yes. Well, Dad, here's your chance. 
you can come out and play with me and my brother, and of course I'm out there. So in that case, I think he was genetically wired because his dad's a sales guy, that he's just got it. And at the same time, ever since he was able to hear, he's heard me sell on the phone or doing a mm -hmm. conference call. So mm -hmm. I think he's my kind of test case of he's both. Yes. But okay. uh, I really believe that with self-awareness and a level of intentionality, you can make a salesperson. You can, you can build him or her up uh, to be out there and be a high performer. Awareness and intentionality exactly. are two words that I heard. So dig into the awareness piece. Yeah, I will. So I'll tell a story. There's um, uh, a salesperson I coach who's in the SaaS business, and he's a super, super nice guy. Like if you walked into any room, he would be the guy that won the nicest guy in the room. Hmm. He's kind. He loves to listen. Uh, he's just a friendly, friendly person. Um, but he's also a competitive athlete. In, in huh. college, he was a track star, and nice. he had a full scholarship, and he's all about performance. Okay. But uh, as I started to work with him, I was like, wow, you know, he's this really nice guy, but a lot of his sales are kind of stalled out. Instead of a eight-week sales cycle, it might be 12 or 16, but people love him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what's really going on here? And so um, I just said, hey, are you game for taking a couple of assessments? And I'm not always like a heavy assessment guy, but I was like, if this person wants to use it as a mirror mm -hmm. uh, to help tell his story to me about what's going on, I'm, all, I'm game too. So we take this assessment, and sure enough, he is like the perfect person as a customer service rep. Oh, like he's perfect. Boy. But then what starts to show up is he's really competitive. Okay. And it's, it's accessing all these years of him getting up early, practicing, driving, mm -hmm. driving, becoming a high-performing athlete, he mm -hmm. was in, even in the Olympic trials. So we're oh talking about somebody that's like really serious. And so I said, look, do you know you've got this juxtaposition? You've got this wanting and almost needing to be liked, but you also are highly competitive. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's who I am. I said, so you read this assessment, feels right? He goes, yeah, and I said, we need to tap into your competitive nature. If you really want to be a salesperson, mm -hmm. which he did, he loves, he loves doing it. Um, I said, we need, we need to tap into this and understand what com competition does for you yes. and how to change your sales process to play in that realm so you're not just the nice guy who's saying yes that wants to show up and do whatever the client wants. Okay, brilliant. So awareness step number one, through use of an evaluation or assessment, which again, I mean, those are great. It's not like you run your whole business off of those, Agreed. but they're, they're great. They're, they help a coach, especially guide in conversations. So awareness was created. The salesperson says, you're right, I've got this competitive drive. It just may not be applied in the current scenario. So now, what, did, what was the big takeaway from this? This guy knows how to do a regimen. He knows how to he train. So do you bring him something that he was able to follow every single day? And then all of a sudden the sales increase? I'm hoping for the you know, exciting ending here. Yeah, so the exciting ending is first, you know, this person just had a commitment to be the best he could be. So that, that's the intentionality that piece? Intentionality. Okay. And then we brought that awareness in. So I started to take places where his customer service brain was showing up on calls. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, yes, I'm willing to do that, ask some more questions. What, why are we doing that? And understand the value that mm -hmm. it creates. And then if he really wants to, give them a choice. I can do that for you, that's a change of scope. I can mm -hmm. do that for you, it's a new product feature, whatever it is. So some of it was just awareness of how he was showing up and telling him it was okay not to have to say yes all the time, but okay. he could give people choices instead because mm -hmm. he didn't want to just say no. Hmm. And I think that's, that's fair. 
But sure. from a how do we tap into uh, competition, I started to say, what's your sales process look like? If this is our funnel and I'm going to do the top to the bottom traditional funnel, where are the stages uh, to move people from one stage to the next and what are those steps? Mm -hmm. And can we start agreeing <laughs> upon Because I'm a big believer in co-creation with, with a team or an individual. It's like, where can we start to, to create wins? What does yeah. a win look like for you? And once he started to own them himself, then we could measure them or at least make them visible. And in making them visible, I didn't even have to measure it. He just would go after it because he knew that was the next place for a win. I love the guy. He's just, he's just been phenomenal in his sales of increased a ton and he's a joy to work with too. See, brilliant. So in this scenario, a salesperson not necessarily was born, Agreed. but was made. But there were a few key drivers that worked well for the situation. One, this person was used to, used to competing and used to having training regimen and following a process and being able to work the same over and over and over again and exactly. looking at the metrics. And so there is a skill set there. There's temperament there that not everybody has. And so what we always look for, especially um, with our model, we either recruit and place the person or we develop the talent. Sometimes we do a combination of both, right, with an existing team. And we always want to find out out of the gate if they're not performing let's learn more about them and what they've done in the past. Have they ever done a role like this before? Have, what type of proven achievement have they had in any sort of sales role? Because there's so many different types of sales roles. What was the culture like over there? Size of company, name brand recognition, was it a transactional sale? Was it a relationship sale? Short cycle, long cycle, high ticket, low dollar. What was it that they were selling where they were having success? Because you can't pluck a high performing salesperson out of one type of sale and put them into another. That's always a, a, a challenge, right? Not many are are versatile enough to do different types of sales, but then also from a culture standpoint, or maybe they just never have had that track record of proven sales success, but what have they done in their past life or prior careers, or if it was sports, et cetera, that shows that they have the tenacity to learn this and take it on and have the discipline to execute and be consistent and work hard and show up every day. That's what BQ is, by the way, the behavioral quotient, is their determination to make a decision every single day on how they show up to execute and perform. So I love what you what you say there. I would lean more so on the side. I think that the best salespeople have the it factor. What's the it factor? Right. It's different, but they have it or they don't. Have you ever been in front of a salesperson and you're beside yourself like how you could not buy from them? Yeah. And I've heard this throughout my career, and it's interesting because I had a lot of people say, well, she's an anomaly, she's an anomaly, she's an anomaly. And I'd look at them and say, no, actually I'm not. I just show up and I work my tail off every single day. And they're like, no, there's something in how you communicate and how you present. And I've had it said back to me, it's the passion, conviction, and enthusiasm. Charisma, yes, like that. because you're so, it's infectious, right? And if you're confident and if you're certain that what you're selling, you can really stand behind it. But there are some people like your son, they know how to get to the mm, and they know how to get in there and they make the prospect or the buyer go, huh, I'd be a fool not to do business with this person and not buy that. But there's something in the delivery, there's something in their interactions, there's something in the way that they communicate. I really do believe there's an if factor. You know, back in the day, they used to call it the gift of gab, right? A great salesperson has the gift of gab. Wait, 
Some salespeople don't know when to stop talking, so oh. I would not say that that's the, uh, the trait. But if factor for me and what I've seen in my career is I'm super high passionate. Really, I know you can't tell right now, right? I'm like all hopped up in this conversation, but I've heard from people I used to sell payroll and HR services. They're like, if you can get that excited about payroll, it must be good. We will buy from you. What do you think contributes to an it factor? What have you seen in your career? Some people that are just like, whoa, so I have another story for you. Okay, good. So um, it is a story, you could almost say the theme here is nice people. Oh, okay? yeah. So there's another client I've worked with and he's actually probably in his late 50s. He's been selling all his life. He's been a nonprofit, professional services. He was actually um, selling more transactional pieces too. He was selling audiovisual uh, services for a big hotel. Um, then he went into another company and started to sell the services directly and mm -hmm. not through a hotel so he could okay. travel around. Super nice guy, goes to the networking events, is involved in associations. Um, you're just going to enjoy being around him. Mm -hmm. And I started to work with him and I said, okay, what's going on? What, where do you want to go? Well, I wish I would sell more. I'm doing the work, but I'm not selling anymore. And I, I certainly feel like I meet a lot of people, but I don't, nothing happens. I said, okay, well, talk to me about a networking event. What happens? What's your goal? He goes, I go to the whiteboard. What's your first one? He goes, to walk out with a business card. I was just going to let him go because sure. when I coach, okay. I create a safe environment. I was like, okay, we're going to let you walk out with a business card. Great. What's your second step? Well, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to ask them a little bit about their event that's coming up. I said, okay, then what? He's like, well, then I'm going to go back to the office and I'll maybe connect with them on LinkedIn. I'll send them an email and ask them if they want to get, go for lunch. I'm like, okay, then what? He's like, well, we go to lunch and I take them to this special place. And uh, it's, a, it's a really great place. He starts telling me how, how great the food is. And, and I'm kind of getting lost like you sure, are. Like, yeah. okay, where is this going? Home, what like, do I look like I'm getting where, lost? Yeah, where is this going? <laughs> okay, and, and I'm trying to stay present with the guy. And he goes, then I hopefully learn about their event because I want to produce their event. And then I get back and uh, hopefully they call me. Hopefully. And I was like, sure, there's a lot of hopes in here, isn't there? There are a lot of hopes in this story. And he's like, yeah. And I said, uh, are you open to a different way of being in a networking mm. event, a different way of success? I said, yeah. So what he's picking up on is my passion. Okay, right? yep. And I said, I want you to be, right now, you're probably 80 or 90% nice guy, nice mm -hmm. person, 10% value. I don't want you to decrease the nice guy. I want you to add more value. Nice. He's like, oh, what's that look like? I said, well, tell me about what's going on. Tell me about an event you're producing. Mm. He tells a story. And I'm going to kind of keep it vague to protect who this yep. person is. And... Uh, he starts giving me all these awesome features and he's telling about the event. He gets more and more and more excited. Mm -hmm. said, I want you to bring that passion of what you're doing for somebody else to the networking event. And when you meet them, I don't want you to ask for a business card. I want you to say something like, hey, do you want to hear something cool? Hey, can I tell you a quick story? Hey, you know, there's this super neat event that has a super great feature. This is why I'm excited about it. And then let the conversation go from there. So I said, why don't you change the mindset of being a nice guy to... I need to always have something of value you could say I'm passionate about that I bring to an event. There you go. To a networking event or to a conversation. Mm -hmm. So creating again that awareness where yes. he didn't have to change who he was. He just needed to bring something else with him. And that's and why something I think of made. value. Something I, of value. And I like time. that. So that's really good coaching in this scenario because people love proof of concept. So it's one thing to talk about the products and services that your company sells, but it's quite another when you do it through a third party story. So Carl's coaching here is brilliant. Talk about some other events, some other venues, some other project that you've worked on. What happens when you share a third party story with your buyer is they start visualizing 
what that scenario looked like. And because you're hopefully sharing a story that is with somebody similar to them, it resonates with them. And then they can say, oh, you know, I would love to, to learn more about that. Or, well, that really means a lot to me because, well, it's interesting that you do that. We've really struggled with fill in the blank. So that third party story gives proof of concept. People love that social validation because then they can realize, hey, you're of value to our community, to people in my industry, to people that do what I do. I would like to learn more. So that's a brilliant way to go about that conversation. Yeah, I have one other thing to add to that. I was like, not only have something of value that you're passionate about, but have an offer associated with it. So in this case, this event that he did, they were going to do another one. Mm -hmm. And I said, could you bring this person as a guest? Mm. Could they come to your, could they oh. come to your capabilities presentation? Could they go out to lunch with you? Could you bring this person? Whatever, you know, mm. I kept fishing for the place where he got excited. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, yeah, I mean, I could get an extra table at this event and bring some people or when I get asked them out for lunch, I could bring them pictures of exactly, have something that when the person gets engaged, that you can now take them to the next step. And he went to the event and he emails me back and he's got all these leads and he's excited. Oh, but man. more importantly, he sees himself differently. He's not mm -hmm. beating himself up going, why, why isn't this working? Why am I the victim? I'm such a nice guy. It's like, you can still be that nice guy. Just bring value, bring something else and be passionate about it. I like that a lot. So I think what we're saying here is it's probably a combination of both. I think there is a little bit of it factor. I think it goes for people in general. Why are some kids in school, they just ace all the tests and they barely have to study, right? Because it comes natural to them. Exactly. It comes easy to them. Some people truly are natural born salespeople. You could put it, they have no fear. They know how to be assertive and have confidence and ask the big, bold questions. They're always able to qualify budget and timeline and who all the decision influencers are in the sale. Like they're not leaving things left for the imagination and then stalling out all their deals. They're just natural born. They're, they're amazing and they love it and they have such a passion for it and that fuel and that competition. That's great. But it doesn't mean to say that if you weren't born with that, that you can't acquire those skills and some great framework for acquiring those skills and being able to execute are if you've done things in your past, like competitive sports as an example, where you've already had the discipline of training and coaching and learning a new skill and practicing and becoming efficient at executing it and is it in your heart your desire and your passion and it sounds like if you have some of those components and you've got a great canvas to work with but your two words i think are critical awareness and intentionality exactly. one the awareness has to be there that you're willing to learn you're willing to engage you're willing to be coached your sales may not be or you want them to be but you are committed to the profession and you're committed to being a great salesperson and the intentionality, you don't just take one sales training course. You, right. you can't just do one class and then expect, oh, hey, look, I'm closing all this business. Can you learn an awesome nugget of information in a single class? Of course you can. That's gonna impact your sales. But the intentionality, this has to become your craft. You have to hone that. You have to practice every single day and execute. What do you wanna leave our audience with on this topic? Yeah, I guess I would say in both these examples, the individuals wanted the change. Mm. So if you're gonna show up, if you like what we're saying, and you're like, you know, I wanna be that person, um, there's a couple things that happened. One, they wanted it, and I'll ask that question often, like, do you want me to help you? If you want me to help you, I will. If you don't, there's other people on your team, I'll go help them, that's fine. <laughs> but ultimately, it has to come from within. I want this change. And then the second one is, if you want this change, can we create some awareness? Mm -hmm. Intentionality is a big one, but the one I'd want to, kind of the icing on that cake of awareness and intentionality 
because you don't need to really change who you are. You can find the strengths you currently have and make those stronger and augment it with some other things. Like both these guys, they were still really nice people. They showed up no differently. They just brought something better to the table that made their experience and their profession stronger. And that's what I would leave you with. That's right. It's so powerful. I'm so glad you got to join us today. Yeah, this is great. And how does the audience connect with you? Yeah. Uh, so my website is improvingsalesperformance.com. Uh, I've got a lot of resources on there. I speak at different events. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you just follow it all through my website, Improving Sales Performance, I'd love to meet you and get in contact. That'll be great. Great. Connect with Carl. He's a friend, and you can learn a lot from him. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to today's episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. We sure hope to uh, hear from you and, and see you on future episodes. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.